What are you eating at the moment? A banana cake, nice. And uh, it's, it's pretty much sugar-free because Nanny's got diabetes, right? <laughs> yes. So what do you think of the sugar-free banana cake? Eh? What do you think of the sugar-free banana very cake? Very nice, very nice. Whenever we're sourcing the food or, um, you know, anything in our kitchen, we, we want to go right back, yeah, one, make sure that it's local. We love supporting local business, but we want to know that their practices are sustainable and also that it is clean, you know, it's not full of all these fillers and, and um, other kind of rubbish. Yeah. Kai, or food what to eat, what not to eat, which program to follow, what's the latest fad, and the vast array of information available can be overwhelming and confusing. Taking on a health approach to kai with Māori tikanga and values underpinning a healthy lifestyle is not a new kaupapa. In the early 1980s, Dr Mason Dury wrote the framework for Te Whare Tapawha, or the four cornerstones of an holistic health approach for Māori. Taha tinana, or physical health, taha wairua, spiritual health, taha hiningaro, mental health, and taha whānau, the importance of whānau, ancestors, and tātai whakapapa, or genealogy. Now these four pillars of health play a pivotal role together. But what does good eating mean today in 2015? And with poor obesity statistics amongst Māori and Pacifica people, what is being touted as the latest trend? Tonight we're at two ends of that spectrum, a cafe run by three Māori women in the middle of Mount Maunganui that serves up to 80% raw food. The, the secret to really good food is just to keep it simple. So what we have done is balanced out the flavours with the lime and the, um, the organic maple syrup against the avocado. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's all it is. I, the real tester is, you know, like the men in our lives, you know. If it works on your dad, it works on anybody. <laughs> and a kaupapa, where diet is based on what was eaten by the ancestors of Paura Te Hurihanganui, thousands of years ago. So um, as you do when you're Māori, you karakia, you ask for some kind of guidance and uh, my grandmother turned up and she turned up and gave me a couple of messages saying that I need to follow the kai of my tūpuna and she was from Ngātiawa so she was very particular about some of the old foods that she would engage in. Um, she taught me a lot in terms of gardening, marakai, um, moving with the seasons, those kind of things. Tonight, we join our Tiahika contributor, Takari Butler, from Tauranga to get an idea of how Māori are creating spaces for better eating, better health, and in the process, inspiring a few other people to jump on board the waka. So what do you reckon, compared to a normal eggs benedict, how is this one going down? This one's going down mean as I love the sauce, yeah. whatever's in it. Um, yeah, really nice. Clean Eats is run by three Tepoke Māori women, Hedia Teamo, Irina Skara and Jade Tapsil, who have set up shop at their cafe downtown the Mount. The three have based their menu on popular diet trends of the day that includes food with no gluten, no refined sugar, flours or saturated fat. The menu is not only about adhering to the theme of the cafe, but it's got to taste good. Raw food, arguably, is not appealing to the masses. Enter Dr Anna Rolleston, who works as director of the Cardiac Clinic in Tauranga. 
Dr. Rolleston was born and raised in Tauranga Moana, and this year she was awarded $150,000 from the Heart Foundation to fund her research program into how to prevent heart disease amongst Māori. Over the next two years, she will recruit 120 people to take part in a 12-week program that will take a philosophical and lifestyle approach to overall health and well-being. According to a Ministry of Health report on cardiovascular disease mortality rates, Māori are almost twice at risk of heart disease than non-Māori. The issue is undoubtedly a serious concern. Dr Rolleston's healthy heart food knowledge is a good match for the Clean Eats Cafe. Dr Anna Rolleston from the Cardiac Clinic, who is basically uh, the brains behind some of the healthy recipes. So kia ora, doctor. Kilda. I don't know about the brains. <laughs> <laughs> but it's your mahi, obviously, to provide uh, kai and ideas that are healthy for the whanau, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I was really stoked um, when the girls um, bought the business yeah. because, um, obviously, I'm really into good, healthy kai, yeah. and um, that that little place is right up my alley. So, yeah. yeah, definitely really stoked to be in collaboration with them. Yeah. So have a, a cafe that produces, I think, well, 80% of the kai is raw or something like that. I mean, right there in itself is something different. As well, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And I must admit, the few times that I've um, been in, either for a hui or, or just to have some yeah. lunch, it's nice to see so many brown faces yeah. eating in a place like that. Because yeah. I must admit, you know, in Auckland, somewhere like that, you know, it's a, it's kind of like the place to be. Mm, mm, and mm. Um, yeah, no, I think they're going to do awesome. So um, we wanted to kind of uh, look at the health benefits of some of the kai that they produce. So um, we've got three different meals. We've got a, um, a heart-healthy meal, a um, what we call peak performance, which is more along the lines for athletes, yeah. and we've also got a stress-buster meal. Cool. So um, they're going to change every month, and... Um, Basically, what they do is, is if you're if you're thinking I'm going to be heart healthy, I want to look after my heart. I've got some issues around that. Then you can go in and have the heart friendly meal, yeah. and and you know that ticks all the boxes that need to be ticked. So you don't even have to think about choosing. Yeah. So these are specially designed meals for specific reasons, then. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And that use seasonal produce. So, yeah. um, a lot of the problem, I suppose, with foods like that or cafes like Clean Eats is that they can be quite expensive but we've tried to make the meals uh, local produce and seasonal so that the cost isn't as much as it typically would be. Yeah. Now in, in your line of work obviously you'll see things like when I mean, you like this cafe that I guess you're pleased about Māori owned and Māori are eating this way but I mean on the other end of the scale what are some of the, the bad things and the worst things that you see our Māori people doing eating wise and um, in terms of their health? How long you got? Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose a lot of what I see um, is the reliance on processed foods mm. um, and convenience foods. And um, I always talk about takeaway joints. And um, so the nutrition content in those types of foods is pretty poor. Mm. Um, but there's some philosophical issues um, around those types of takeaway outlets, the big corporates that come from America, yeah. and the fact that we channel our money in there and it goes offshore to those big owners who earn lots of money um, but that's an aside um, mostly that it's the convenience side of food that um, trips us up yeah. um, always choosing things that are quick as opposed to spending the time um, not even not just preparing our food but growing it yeah you know yeah, definitely and I think we would be a lot healthier as people 
if we simply just started growing our food again, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, there's a whole holistic yeah. point of view around gardening, yeah. um, especially gardening for our kai, yeah. that I think is really important. Mm. Um, if you could see some changes in New Zealand in terms of, um, you know, the, the food that's available and, um, you know, what's on offer for our people, what kind of changes would you like to see maybe the government put in place? <laughs> Once again, how long you got? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm really... I'm excited to see that all the DHBs have gone sugar-free. So you can't buy a sugar-sweetened beverage at a a hospital anymore, and I think that was a great first step, but that needs to be a much larger step. Mm. Um, Sugar-sweetened foods and beverages are, um, yeah, they're probably one of the worst Mm. offenders in terms of our health. So some legislation around that yeah. for general public selling. Yeah. Uh, I also think that food manufacturers should not be allowed to put claims that are, well, they're not false because they're not allowed to put them on if they're false, yeah. but they're not entirely accurate either on the packaging and because people people read and they, you know, something, then they believe, exactly. And so I think there's a massive need for legislation around food manufacturing and and labelling and things like that. And I guess what you're trying to say, I suppose, is um, a little bit more honesty around it because I mean a product can say that you know buy this because it's got protein in it but it might just have the tiniest little minuscule of protein or something in it. So I guess um, a little bit more clarity? Absolutely, a little bit more clarity and yeah, some truth so much of the food industry is about pulling the wool over yeah. our eyes and trying to convince us that what we're eating is good for us when it's actually not. Yeah. And I mean, that whole 99% fat-free yeah. kind of campaign that happened a few years ago was a prime example, yeah. Yeah. you know, full of sugar, but 99% fat-free. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, for the ladies at, at, at Clean Eats, these three Māori ladies, and um, obviously you've become friends with them, what are you hoping for this for them and for their business? Oh, I think they're gonna they're gonna do really well. They're, you know, the main thing about getting something like that off the ground is having passion, yeah. and they've definitely got that. And and they've really got this view that what they can do something for our community. And I agree with them. You know, if we can if we can display through their cafe the type of food that we wished everyone could mm-hmm. eat, then you know it's one step at a time, eh? I actually I had a Maori client once and and I taught him how to cook a stir fry and he was in his 40s and he'd never eaten broccoli in his life oh, and yeah. I forced him to eat it yeah. <laughs> and and he enjoyed it but it's, there's also this perception of you know when you grow up if your mum boiled the bum out of your veggies and they didn't taste very good well then you don't think your veggies yeah. taste very good yeah. but yeah you definitely come across that all the time where people think healthy food must mean yuck food yeah. and that and I mean as soon as you go there and try anything either in the cabinet or on the menu you realize that that's not the case now uh, we come from a family of, um, of diabetics so obviously having stuff that's got no refined sugar in it is, is a definite bonus for us but what do you think of the food though does it feel like you're you're missing out on the sweetness oh no not at all this is my second time round, um, but I can't resist it I had to have that banoffee pie so but I'm sharing it with this little monkey next to me and she seems to be wanting to eat it all but it's just absolutely lovely now Diane works in, in the, the health uh, basically in a health organisation and that's her mahi at the moment yeah. so in terms of um, you know these three Māori woman opening up uh, a pretty much a refined sugar-free uh, cafe. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I just think it's great. I love the, the co-papa behind this journey. 
or working at a health organisation similar to ours, Poteri Trust, and one day talking about it would be great to walk the talk instead of just talk the talk. So this is what they're doing. I think it's, it's a wonderful dream that they've put together and it's fantastic. Kia ora, ko hiri a hau, ko rangiru te maunga, ko kaituna te awa, ko tapuika te iwi, tērā tātou katoa. Kia ora, ko Jaira hau, nō tapuika. Kia ora, ko irana tōku ingoa, nō te pito o te ao. So we're down here at Clean Eats Mount Maunganui where these three Māori wahine have decided to open up. Just basically here, explain, some, explain to us what, what this, um, your cafe and the shop's all about. So Clean Eats is about good, wholesome, healthy food, um, trying to get things that everybody would normally eat but cleaning it right up so we're just getting back to the basics making things easier for our digestive systems to process which makes our bodies happier and we're ready to get out there and get into stuff oh so today we've got some free-range chicken and salad wraps Um, we've got a beet booster the beet booster salad um, and that one there is it's, it's becoming more and more common now for people to use beetroot powders, fresh salads, um, just giving the extra boost in sports uh, two to three hours beforehand. Um, we've got uh, superfood salad, so kale is, is really um, big now. Kale, broccoli, spinach, um, avocado, loads of seeds and stuff. Um, just increasing the nutrient density in our foods. Um, really, really good. In terms of um, purchasing a, a cafe, especially one like this, and especially in an area like Mount Maunganui, what, did, what made you guys decide to do it? Actually, it was just a no-brainer for me. Um, the opportunity came up, and I just jumped. I've always um, been into yummy, healthy food. Um, and when I've told my friends, my whanau, they're like, oh my goodness, it's so you, you know. Now, because you're the chef here, and because we are from the Bay of Plenty, <laughs> and we love our kaimoana, when you come into a cafe that's owned by local Māori women, I'd love to see some kaimoana in that cabinet as well. So, I mean, how are you guys working towards that? Yeah, so um, what we have done is looked at um, some of our favourites, you know, like power, normally smothered in cream. Mm. Um, we're trying to clean that up with a, um, with other kind of ingredients that you're not going to lose that taste. All right, so we're down here at Clean Eats, and we've got a family of three adults, one teenager and one baby. <laughs> And uh, we're just going to go around the table and, and see what they see what they think. So we'll start off with Maya Reed Bennett. How old are you, Maya? I'm 16 years old. All right. So this is Maya's first time at Clean Eats. What are you th- What are you eating at the moment? Um, a banoffee pie and a Snickers and a caramel slice. <laughs> are you a bit hungry? Um, yeah, I didn't have breakfast. <laughs> All right. So you're halfway through that banoffee pie. What do you think? So nice, and it's sugar-free. So you don't feel guilty? No, I don't. <laughs> Is this the, have, you ha- have you had a normal banoffee pie before? Uh, yeah. And compared to this uh, healthy version of a banoffee pie, what do you reckon? Well, this, does, this makes me feel good. Yeah. And it's like I could eat lots of it. The Kaupapa theme, philosophical framework, environment, whakapapa, stories, and even... Whakatauki are the tools that Paula Tehurihanganui uses to research what he eats. Sounds a bit complicated for some, but for Paula, who is the CEO of Te Papatakaro o Tiarua in Rotorua, he's peeled back the layers and kept it simple. His diet is based on what his ancestors ate. This includes native plants and vegetables that would have been grown here thousands of years ago. 
Then there's Te Hokofitu Atu, a physical regime to pay homage to the Māori men who fought in the 28th Māori Battalion and the physical demands placed on them in battle. Paura carries 30 kilos of weights on his shoulders and runs 8 kilometres in the bush. Today, Paura says that he thinks it is doable to meld contemporary and traditional means of cooking and eating. He shares his story with Takiri Butler. Paura Te Huri from the sovereign nation of Ngāti Rangiwiwhi, born and bred out there, but whakapapa to Te Arawa, Mātātua and through Ngāti Awa and also to Whareto. Uh, currently the CEO of Te Papa Tākoro Otero, but involved in a whole lot of uh, culture and nations for our iwi. What made you um, head towards this way of eating? Um, that's a that's a good, very, very good question. I was kind of frustrated at, um, at things that were going on, especially in the health sector. Uh, there was a lot of people giving advice and saying that Māori should eat particular things or we should follow particular frameworks, and I was kind of frustrated at that. So um, as you do when you're Māori, you karakia, you ask for some kind of guidance and uh, my grandmother turned up and she turned up and gave me a couple of messages saying that I need to follow the kai of my tūpuna and she was from Ngāti Awa, so she was very particular about some of the old foods that she would engage in. Um, she taught me a lot in terms of gardening, marakai, um, moving with the seasons, those kind of things. So um, I took that message as a challenge and from that particular day, or from her birthday, which was a few days after, um, like it went on the kaupapa. And basically it's if you can papa or you can connect your DNA to that particular food that you're eating, then you're okay. You can engage in it as much as you want because there's a higher philosophical idea that runs, theming that runs through the reasons why you're engaging with food. So it's not about the the food content itself, it's not about the fat content, the protein content, the carbohydrate content. It's about your DNA has been able to recognise a particular food that has benefited it, benefited your, um, your body and also has allowed it to reach its potential and maximum potential over thousands of years. So it makes sense that mm. you go back to that food because your body will recognise it straight away, but there's also a learning, an educational, a philosophical, theoretical framework that goes with it as well. So everyone right at the start, you know, talks about weight loss. And, mm. and when we look at the philosophies of our, our ancestors, if you focus on a particular problem or, or the issue and you drive all your force into that particular issue, more than likely you'll fail along the way because you're dealing with what is going on. You have to unpack it and understand why it's there in the first place. And so for me, um, unpacking around kai and why I was connecting with food in the way that I was and, and understanding why my grandmother connected with the food and why she taught me certain things really gave me a deep realisation. So I started connecting with the particular genealogical lines of the origin of those foods and that was more important than anything else going on. So I was gaining the mātauranga or the knowledge from the original genealogical line of the particular food that I was engaging in. And that is what sustained me for the last three years because it's not about the food. Mm. In the first year, I was getting up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and having like three plates of you know, food and I was continually losing fat content and losing weight until my body regulated itself. And that my body started to regulate itself probably 35 kilos later. Mm. But everyone wants to know about the 35 kilos. Yes. 
not and they want to they want to know about what I'm eating, but not why I'm why I'm eating those particular things. For instance, you you want to lose weight, and someone gives you salads and a particular low sugar, low fat, low carb um, diet, but your body, your genealogical line, your DNA comes from a high carb diet. You're mm. going to fail. Mm. So it doesn't matter what's prescribed to you unless you find out where your particular genetic line comes from. And I always get um, the questions about what about have have I got European blood in me? Have I got Pakia blood in me? And and what the effect did that have? And I said, well, I've tried beer from England. I've tried my Scottish whiskey and my Irish heritage. I've eaten potatoes. I've tried all those things, and it hasn't got me to where I, where I want to be or where I need to be. So if I go back to my Maori diet, and here's here's the kicker for that: the Maori diet is all designed on the environment that you see in front of you. I'm not in England, I'm not in Scotland, I'm not in Wales. I'm I'm here in Aotearoa, and my diet comes from this particular environment. So if I go back to the diet of this environment, I'm also connecting my energy cycles with the land as well. That's a whole different level of well-being. Mm. So there was all these other things that, that fell out of the, you know, um, following this type of eating. So te reo, Māori language, and how that runs along. So so um, the words that I used started to change. The food that I ate started to change. The environments that I went to started to change. Um, when I looked at some of the cultural pursuits of our ancestors, that started to be integrated more because that ran along the side of the food. Mm. Um, so the psychological food, the physical food, um, the emotional food, that all kind of ran in line with one another. And so when we think about it in the modern context, we have to really understand why we're engaging in that food because it's not about the food. It's about a whole lot of other things. But when we give somebody a diet, we're giving them the diet about the food. Mm. We're not giving it about the, the particular mental or emotional connection they have with the foods and why they're eating that. Mm. So when we had a look back at some of our tūpuna, and especially early uh, European writers about what they saw and what they experienced mm. here from Māori, and what they're saying is that uh, the Aotearoa Māori, the first ones they encountered were the most physically advanced race of people that they had ever encountered in the world. And they, yeah, yeah, they'd been to many, many different countries. So if we use that as our example or our exemplar of health and well-being, not a scales, mm. but you use those ideas of our tūpuna at that particular level, if we return back and do some of those things in our modern context and our contemporary lives, then we're going to gain that, that benefit out of that as well. So do you have to adjust it somewhat? Because I mean the way we live today is a lot different than the way our tūpuna did back then. So do you adjust that at, at all? For sure. I mean it's all about accessibility now and, and being... Um, you know, contemporary modern Māori, we've also got to be able to, it has to be affordable, it's got to fit in with our in our contemporary lifestyles, but nevertheless, the particular food that you engage in under a tūpuna kai kaupapa allows you to move down those lines and reach those potentials as well. The, the food that come, come out of the bush is, um, how do I put it, illegal to access now the majority of the ones that have feathers. So we can't access that particular food. We can access some of it, but if we think about birds in another way and we think about chicken, that's probably the closest that we can access. And it was, in terms of our records, um, bought um, on the waka or, or bought from, from the islands as well as pork, um, wild pig and bananas and coconuts and things like that. Mm. So genetically, we're still linked to those. 
Um, those were the your kind of everyday foodstuffs. So those particular um, foodstuffs you can continue to eat throughout the year. In terms of the marine life, you follow the cycles of the marine life against the moon cycle and against the time of the year. So during that time, there's good times to eat particular fish and there's good times not to eat particular fish. And they're very much linked to the environment, to the trees. I mean, there's signals in, in many different tribes that say when the kofai tree is blooming, then the kinners are fat. Or when, you know, the pohutukawa is blooming, then um, kauta are good to, good to go out and harvest. So there's a whole lot of signals and ideas um, and frameworks there from our tūpuna that we can still use to access some of the kai. But what I've found over the last three years um, engaging in this space is that your body actually tells you that. As soon as you eat that food, it tells you whether you should be eating it or not. Um, I had an experience, in the, I think, in the first year where I was eating some oysters and it was around the April time. So it was the change in season. It was moving into the colder weather. But my body told me I shouldn't be, should not be engaging in that particular food because it wasn't of benefit. And what I've noticed doing some of the research and looking at how our tūpuna would harvest out in the ocean or, or on the land, they too followed a particular, uh, that kind of cycle as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm um, huge into experimenting and, and if I can do it and eat it or run it or be in that particular space, then that tells me whether it's worthy or not. So I tried all the different fish. I went out and accessed all those. I went out and accessed the edible plants in the bush and whether that... Um, could be a sustainable food source or whether it was seasonal or whether it was occasional. So I went out and I explored those. I, I, I read what I could read. Um, Journey of the Polynesian Society holds a wealth of information online and so you can access that and you go and read stories. But if you have a look at our reo as well and you have a look at our particular proverbial sayings, our whakatauki, our whakatauaki, it tells you. It tells you what to eat and when to eat it and what it means. You just have to, I suppose, decipher the code because yeah. we look at it and these days as a behavioural model yeah. But if you go a little bit deeper, deeper, it's a nutritional framework. And that's what I was really interested in when I started coming across things like um, the saying, um, kaua e mate whike me mate ururo. So don't die like the octopus, die like the, um, the hammerhead shark or the shark. But when you think about it in a nutritional form, and I actually experimented with this, when I ate the octopus, I felt like sitting down in front of the TV and watching, right? yeah, and got the remote, and I didn't want to do anything. But when I ate the shark, which is a fighting, aggressive fish as opposed to the octopus, which is passive, I had a more um, energetic and aggressive nature in terms of my physicality. In the first year, I stayed really, really strict. So anything that came on the Tarawawaka here, brought here when they migrated, and anything they found here was my diet for a year. So mainly the marine life, and I'm not talking about things like um, prawns that we get out of the ocean and, and salmon and trout. I'm talking about the indigenous food to the land and what we brought with us. What I did leave off that particular menu, though, was um, chicken and pork because I thought they were too far processed. Um, even though the majority of the food that I, I would eat in that first year you could access from a supermarket like kumara, like taro, coconuts, bananas, um, and a lot of the, the different types of fish and, and mussels and things like that. So that was my main diet. I did access um, mutton birds and weka, which are still legal birds that we can yeah. we can take now. Um, but that was my main diet for, for a year.
Not only are you eating the food that our ancestors ate, but you're eating it in the way that they ate it too, in terms of, like you said, you know, they'd eat an abundance of food at a certain time and then fast for a certain time. So you also follow those cycles as well. Was it hard? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, once once you get into anything, it's about discipline and it's about commitment. And I think Māori are really disciplined and committed people. Currently, we're disciplined and committed to things that aren't very healthful for us. You know what I mean? So um, if we can figure that out in terms of our psyche, you know, we're going to do really well to change us around and move the tack of our mm. uh, the front of front end of our um, health uh, walker that's moving. So um, we're the best at what we do. So we're the best at cancer, we're the best in the jails, but we're also the best at understanding the environment. And once we move back to that and connect with food, I think, um, for why you're engaging in it, not what it is or how you're engaging it, and that's the food industry now, it's more about what you're eating and how you're eating it. Mm. But for me, when I figured out it's about why you're eating it and the kaupapa that's behind it or the philosophical frameworks that you connect to, the stories and the whakapapa that you use to determine the way forward in terms of kai, you have a whole different outlook on it. Mm. And I think that's the secret for us as Māori. I, I, I see that there's an easy balance with the current um, diets and food that's out there with the traditional diet. It's easy to balance that, even though I've chosen not to go back to mm. um, modern food. Uh, and even though I also cook without any salts, without any oils, without anything, I, you know, it's real basic, basic cooking when I do, um, I can still see there could be a very nice medium or marriage between modern food and, and traditional food. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about what you eat. Um, a typical breakfast? Now is different from a year, a year ago or two years ago. I would eat whatever I had the night before, any leftovers. Um, normally it was around fish, kumara, um, some of the bird life that I had. That was a staple diet, um, a lot of taro in the first year. Because um, if you see the development, especially of our Pacific Island brothers and sisters in terms of their muscle structure, a lot of that is developed from the environment, but also from engaging in taro and engaging in coconut. Um, so I, I, I ate a lot of that in the first instance I ate a lot of uh, in the morning a lot of coconut and that helped clean the system out um, which is a, a good way to let things go but um, now um, two bananas and ten raw eggs in a blender and that's my kind of sugar and my protein raw eggs raw eggs <laughs> and lunch uh, lunch is probably a couple of fillets of fish um, a little bit of kumara I only went to the raw eggs because that's um, accessible and mm. also it's it's cheap basically and it's so is banana, it's sustainable. Um, in the first year, two years, it was very expensive to follow this. I mean, if you go into a supermarket, the most expensive things that you can buy in a supermarket is on my list. Kumara especially. Kumara especially. So, you know, you, you, you get very resourceful and you go to the markets and things like that. and You make friends up north and mm -hmm. a whole lot of things. And your and your your dinner, you get a few birds in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, normally, legal ones. Yeah, legal ones. Normally, it's uh, chicken, free range, and um, kumara as well. So it's it's pretty basic eating. Mm. Um, but when I get the chance to once a week, I'll go down and get some puha and watercress, mutton birds. But um, I have suppliers that come over, whānau that bring me kana, power, craze, those kind of things from the coast.
go hunting, get some wild pork and stuff. And... I've got heaps of nephews to do that, yeah. but um, I've probably had it maybe four or five times in the last three years. If you have a look, if you if we have a think about what they bought with them and the pork, the you know the pig died out very early into the scene and it wasn't till Captain was Cook, right? yeah, Captain Cook reintroduced the pig. Um, so it had been out of our probably diet for about a thousand years before um, before it got reintroduced. So I kind of stay, and, and your body tells you as well, you know, my I can eat a whole lot of kumara, I can eat a whole lot of different kaimwana, but certain things you get to a point and you, you have had enough, you can't even force yourself to eat it even if you want it. But if you have a look at our, our stories and you have a look at our ancestors, uh, the majority of the time, they were trying to maximise their, their their intake. They weren't trying to limit it. Um, life was hard enough then that it had its limits, so when they could eat it, they would eat, and they will eat as much as they could. But there was also times where they would fast. So fasting was a big part of the first year as well because um, throughout the year and throughout the moon cycles and different um, seasons, the energy levels within different foods are either high or low. Mm-hmm. And if you take them at a particular low point, you could contract or take in anything that that particular food stuff is going through at that time. And I believe this is one of the links to some of the diseases that we have. Um, but once again, the low times are times, if you have a look in our stories, where you wānanga, where you take it easy and you rest. Some of the high times is when you fully exert all that you can so if you're going to have a high food intake you've got a high physical output they go hand in hand when i got a health check a lot of people pushed me to get a health check and when i got a health check um, i had to get it done a few times because the um, health professionals didn't believe that i was as healthy as i was in the terms of how i looked and so um and well, the health professionals knew me at that time, and he was a black belt, nurse black belt, <laughs> testing me, and um, kind of looked at me and said, "Well, oh, this can't be right." So I got tested three times, and and my um, the what what came out of it was I was actually fitter than him, and that's the reason why he couldn't couldn't <laughs> believe that. But I I think for Maori, um, it's all up in our head. Mm. I think that's where it all starts and it all finishes, and so if we allow ourselves to move into a space of our ancestry and we utilize the frameworks that are there and the examples that were left behind for us but believe in them we'll get gains Mm. but if we believe in the health industry was not our own Mm. we're actually moving our dna and our body to look like somebody else and that's where i think the failure area is You know, we won't call it a diet, but it's a way of eating. But obviously, because you're going against a lot of the mainstream ideas, has any kind of, I guess you could say, uh, mainstream nutritionist, dietitian um, come along and try to slam some of your theories? Yeah, for sure. I was on a panel one time. Oh, um, yeah, I was on a panel and um, uh, these doctors were talking about their research and the perfect kind of formula for how much protein versus how much carbohydrate versus how much fat and sugar that you should have and I asked them how in-depth their research was and they said we're very in-depth research it comes from a body of knowledge that's 50 years old and definitely advancements in the last 10 but especially their particular work over the last year and I said how are they finding it and and how many Maori has it been successful with and they said well we're still trialing it but it's still going through and I said ask me the same question Mm. 
And I said, well, my people have been successful with this diet for 10,000 years. Mm. So there's my evidence. Mm. So if they want to slam um, the, the things that I'm saying that I'm doing, I've got a whole breadth and, and, and width of evidence that through Papa, through our stories, through evidential um, experiments that, that is right there in front of our eyes. And, and I've even been ostracised by some of our own to say, you know, this isn't sustainable. Are they professionals or...? Yeah, industry professionals and the, and the health professional and Māori to say that, you know, this isn't sustainable. Um, and I'm kind of proving it is sustainable and, and so are my kids when they're with me, you know, and they actually love that kind of eating. So um, one, once you understand and you move away from the food itself because the health industry only focuses on what's wrong. They don't focus on the potential and what's right. And that's the difference as well as where, where I'm going or where we're going with this style of eating. The other side to um, your diet as well, which I, I haven't mentioned yet, is around your engagement with the sun. Okay. So old people were definitely... Um, clear about you must be engaging in the sun. Now that doesn't mean you stand in the sun at the hottest times of the year and I get sun. say do we need more vitamin D? <laughs> yeah, well it's around the vitamin D and you can uh, the only thing that you can well the major place you can get that from is from the sun. So you need to be smart about engaging that. Um, but they're also very clear in our Tarawa um, doctrines and, and the writings that we have is that if you've got, the more clothes you've got on the more susceptible you are to getting sick mm. because you're taking away your natural barriers to fight, to fight all these diseases. Mm. So shoes is another one. Shoes is, you know, you, you, you fail to feel what's under your feet. You um, are kind of a bit more thoughtless about where you place your feet. Mm -hmm. So now that, that I've been, you know, a couple of months without any shoes on, um, you kind of become more mindful you're more, you're, you're attentive more. Um, you definitely go across different surfaces in different ways, so your body responds. So continually, your body is being trained or being strengthened by what's happening underneath your feet. If we start to look at all the modern ideas that are coming in, and we allow ourselves to behave like somebody else, we're going to end up like somebody else. And our potential is not in somebody else. Mm. It's in your own DNA, and I'm talking to anyone, not just Māori, to anyone here. Our people all around the world, people all around the world can benefit and reach their potential when they understand who they are and they do it in their own way that's particular to them, but also understanding the environment that they're living in, because we're global now. Paolo, thanks for your time. Kia ora. <laughs>